0: This is episode number 325, What I Learned in 2019. Welcome to the Super Data Science Podcast. My name is Kirill Eremenko, data science coach and lifestyle entrepreneur. And each week we bring you inspiring people and ideas to help you build your successful career in data science. Thanks for being here today and now let's make the complex simple. Welcome back to the Super Data Science Podcast everyone, super excited to have you back here on the show for this final episode of 2019, well final long episode of 2019. I think we have one more five minute friday uh to go in uh, this year so yeah how quickly did this year pass by it's, it's already end or it's the december december is ending and the year is almost through um yeah i did not expect <laughs> to fly this fast You that's what happens usually right you look back and it um it's gone and with the years it gets faster and faster it's also it seems um vsauce has a great video about this on so michael from vsauce has a great video about this on youtube why every year that passes seems to be flying faster and it's got to do with our perception that in the first year you live one year of your life which is like that's your first year. And then after that, in your second year of your life, you add you live another year and effectively you add a hundred percent of what you already had. And then in your third year, you live another year. It looks like a year, but you're adding only fifty percent of what you had. And then your fourth year, you live a year, but you're only adding thirty three percent on top of what you had. So every time, even though you're living a year, you're adding a smaller percentage to the amount of years you've already lived. On this planet and therefore it just seems to fly faster the amount of experiences new experiences amount of new events in your life amount of just new things happening novelty is less and less and less all the time and therefore routine takes over and recurring things take over all the time and his recommendation was to in order to like feel that you're living a longer year every time is to have more experiences do more new things to exc- discover the world to uh, discover yourself discover nature and things like that because remember that like time when you first had your first kiss or imagine like when you're seeing your child walk for the first time things like that they are edged into our memories whereas if, if you have days which don't have eventful things like emotional things for you uh, then the years seem to fly by fast. Well, that's one theory. Um, anyway, so it is 5.15 a.m. in Australia. I've got my tea and ready to go. Uh, today we're going to be talking, or I will be recording a audio just by myself, so no guests today. And the purpose of this audio is, in, in case you're, you've are you been with the podcast for less than a year and you haven't heard the ones from previous years, the purpose of this audio is to share my knowledge or my learnings my top seven learnings from this year that's passing by that's finishing now um in order to actually in order to document them mostly mostly for myself so that i can look back on this and see oh what is it what is it that i learned in 2019 and how do i not make those mistakes again or how am i living those learnings now in 2020 or 2021 or And so on. And yeah, so that's the point of all of this. And one of my favorite ways to document things now that I'm doing the podcast is to record an audio. And I thought maybe this can be useful for others as well. So if you think this might be useful, then welcome. I've been doing this for three years now. This is the third year. So first time was 2017. This time is 2018. I mean, last year was 2018. Today is 2019. Okay, so... Let's go through them. So we'll start with a uh like an index I guess of all of the uh, learnings and by the way we found a way to add um timestamps into the podcast apps around the world that you might be listening on, you might be listening on Castbox or um iTunes or whatever even this is available on Spotify as well. Um there might be a <laughs> there should be a like links in the description where you can actually click on each one and it'll take you in the audio right to that spot. So we just found how to add that recently. Hopefully that's available for this podcast as well. Okay, so um, learnings. Uh, Learning number one will be about dichotomies. Learning number two will be about FOMO, specifically FOMO. Uh, Learning number three will be um, full circle stress. Learning number four, letting doors close five is managing my energy as an introvert Uh, six no coaching seven feelings okay so let's go okay so let's do it If you're interested in specific learning, jump straight over to it. Otherwise, we're going to go one by one. Dichotomies. Learning number one. What is dichotomies? What are dichotomies? Well, at the start of this year, I read a book, actually listened to the audiobook version uh, of this book called The Dichotomy of Leadership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin. Amazing book, life-changing book, really loved it. Uh, audio version is great. Uh, you may know I love listening to books on Audible because that lets me drive and do other things, like especially on road trips, and uh, or be in a plane or whatever else. Basically, I don't uh, have to f- stress my eyes. I love that. And you know, sometimes you get a good audiobook, sometimes not. Uh, and this audiobook is read very well. It's read by the authors themselves. So great, great read. Highly recommend. What uh, is this book about? So. This book is about leadership being a dichotomy. I always thought that leadership is a kind of a thing you can learn like um like a science, like a math equation. You can just sit down um get, you know, like get yourself together and and like learn it and maybe over time, all right, maybe over time you get better and better and better at it and then, you know, you're a master of leadership because like you've learned everything there is to learn or 80 or 90% of it. So you know how to act in pretty much any situation, how to lead a company, how to lead people, how to lead yourself, how to lead a relationship, how to lead your friends, how to lead your family, how to lead your brothers and sisters, pretty much how to lead strangers, how to lead in any kind of circumstances or almost any circumstances. But what I found from this book and then reflecting on my own experience in leadership I actually found that leadership is not a science. Leadership is more of an art. Anything can be or any activity can be categorized into one of the other, science or art. And science is very structured and you can learn it. Art is case by case type of basis and uh, you got to just be a master at it, vir- a virtuoso and uh, just be comfortable with it, live it in order to be successful at it. And so leadership falls into the art. Uh, camp why is that well because leadership is actually a series of dichotomies and that's what this book describes it goes through 12 dichotomies and so who are these guys joko Willink, and leif bobbin these are ex-military uh navy seals who served in iraq and they actually joko was there twice i'm not sure about leif how many times he was there and uh They learned a lot from their training as Navy SEALs and then from being part of Navy SEALs' teams and then also through leading Navy SEAL teams and platoons and things like that. Um, I'm not that great with the terminology, but basically they are... And also, I might have said that wrong. They're not necessarily from the Army. They're from the military. So I I realize in the U.S. these are different things. So uh, they're from the military, Um, and specifically they're from the Navy SEALs. There we go. Um, Yeah, so they were in Iraq, Iraq and the book, so they learned a lot from that, and then um, they've applied those principles elsewhere. For instance, Joko, after finishing his career in the military, left and then started, he was also training people back uh, in the US, but that, again, after leaving the military, he started a consulting business where he helps business uh, businesses and companies and leaders and companies to become better leaders. And so they use the principles from what they learned in leading teams to apply to business. And then they wrote this book uh, where the book is structured in an interesting way. For every of the 12 chapters, it has three subchapters. The first subchapter is the they demonstrate they don't name the, or they don't describe the principle that they're talking about in detail. They just show showcase the situation they had in uh, the military when they were in Iraq, like in a war zone. And they describe some very um, graphic sometimes or even uh, like very realistic situations. Well, they were right there. So they described them very realistically on what was happening, who was shooting and whom. Um, where they were walking, where the ambush was, and so on. So they describe that part. So you got to kind of get a gauge for the principle yourself, which is interesting. It uh, it's spikes curiosity and makes you wonder, okay, you know the name of the principle because of the name of the chapter, but you're like, how is it playing out here? Then in chapter, in the sub, um, in sub-chapter number two, they describe the principle in detail. They explain, okay, what was happening, what, how they learned this principle what are the takeaways? And then in subchapter number three, they show how this principle can be applied to business, basically on based on Joko's um, experience consulting many businesses in many industries. He can pull real examples of a mining um, company with operations all around the world, and like they're losing money and they need to let go people, or a construction business here, or or something else. And what is actually happening in business? So they, they pull a real example. Of course, they are all, all anonymized and. Um, some of them are combined examples of different clients, but it really illustrates the um, the principle. So that's how the book is structured. And uh, for instance, some of the examples here are like the names of the first three chapters. Ba- uh, chapter number one is balancing people. How close do you get to your people? Like if you're in the military or if you're uh, leading a business, how close do you get to your people? So you, you need to be close. You can't be too far away. You can't be like, somewhere there, flying around or completely not talking to your team, feeling very, them feeling very alienated from you, because um, then they'll feel like mercenaries doing their job rather than part of a bigger team with a great leader. But on the other hand, you can't get too close, right? So if, you're, if you get too close to your team, then it'll be very hard for you to send them off to battle, for instance, in the military, because you know they might die there but that's a job that needs to be done but it'll be hard for you you'll get too attached same in business you will if you get too close it will be hard for you to de- delegate tasks to them to give them assignments and things like that because you'll care about too much about them not you know like working extremely hard or you want to want them to have a kind of like more rest and be more relaxed and just have a fantastic life but there's a business that needs to be run and you might be thinking oh well we're just talking about business and military this doesn't apply to me well actually in this in a few seconds we'll talk about how this applies to all areas of life i'm just going to give two more examples so chapter number two is called own it all but empower others this is about how much do you strategize and how much do you micromanage right like you don't want to micromanage people we will we've all heard that that's really bad indeed it, it's true if you micromanage someone then they just stop caring about their task because they have no autonomy and they're just doing exactly what you told them. So you might as well just do it yourself and you have to double check everything. So they lose that sense of autonomy and that they have a say in what they're doing or they have a way of doing it in their own way. Like They feel just mechanical. On the other hand, you... So you want to micromanage less, but on the other hand, you don't want to step away completely because if you give people too much autonomy, like ultimate and un controlled autonomy then and like there's no strategy there's no vision behind it you don't basically you don't give people a vision at all then they don't know what to do they don't know what goal they're working towards where they're going and so on so it has to be a balance right so uh in the first case you need to balance between being close and being um being the leader so you're somewhere you got to find that balance in between on the other hand um like kind of being completely alienating as a leader on the other hand Uh, with this own it all but empower others, you got to, on one hand, not micromanage people and give them autonomy. But on the other hand, you got to not also give them too much autonomy and still give them a vision. So you got to find the balance between there, between vision, um, between absolutely no uh, control and then too much control. And principle number three is about um, resolute and not overbearing. So... This is a dichotomy between, on one hand, balancing how strict you are about enforcing the decisions and guidelines that you have come up with or as a team you've come up with. And on the other hand, how when do you let things go and when do you not enforce them? Very interesting chapter. They talk about a principle of uh, leadership capital and you don't want to like you only get a certain amount of leadership capital in a given period of time, whether it's a week or a month, or a day, and if you run around the business or your, your military unit or whatever it is, else it is, uh, telling everybody how they like that they should be following rules, that they should be doing this this way, or we have guidelines for this, this should be done like that. You're gonna expend your military uh, leadership capital on unimportant things, and then when it comes to like a strategic or business critical part, then you won't have any leadership capital. People won't will be tired of listening to you. They they will not follow you as well or at all. So you gotta be wise about how you use your leadership capital. And there are things that are worth just letting go and but there are other things that are very important to enforce. So those are the three examples of the first three chapters. There's nine more and of course lots more detail to what we just discussed. But just probably gives you a taste for the book and also in general that there are lots of choices that need to be made in leadership Uh, it has to be a balance and as mentioned leadership is not actually just about business or military there's plenty of places where you need to be a leader whether it's with your significant other you know you might be the leader sometimes they might be the leader other times but in the times when you're the leader you need to make certain decisions for instance if uh, they're upset, uh, when is the right time to give them care and loving and nurture? Or when is the right time to give them some motivation and inspire them to grow a metaphorical kick up the butt. So you got to find the balance between the two. When do you do either of those? You can't, It's not just a single answer. You give them always just loving and nurture, then they might become dependent on it and not, not see not get enough inspiration to grow further. If you're always giving a kick up the butt and motivation, and as men, actually, we do a lot of this, right? We still try and tend to solve problems. Then you they're not going to feel enough love from you. Leadership with friends. How close do you let a specific friend into your life? Too close and you will feel exposed. Too little and the friendship will feel superficial. Uh, leadership with yourself. How much work do you take on in a given day? To uh, take on too little and you'll become lazy or you'll get bored and take on too much and you'll burn out. Um, Another one is, how much do you train at the gym or in a sport? Too little and you won't progress. Too much and you'll hurt yourself or you'll actually lose interest because you'll dread going back to the gym (laughs) because you're going to push yourself too hard. So, very interesting principle. Leadership comes up in many situations in life, many aspects of life. Whether you, you want to or not, life will test you and make you be an efe- effective and efficient leader, or it will see how effective and efficient you are. So uh, knowing these principles is very valuable. So highly recommend the book. It's called The Karma of Leadership. All right, that was quite a long one. Let's move on to learning number two. Uh, learning number two is uh, f- FOMO. And I'm not supposed to curse on this podcast, as far as I know. Uh, so we will just call it um, No More FOMO. Um, FOMO is a uh, fear of missing out it's a variation of fear of missing out and <laughs> not to be confused with YOLO which is you only live once um, FOMO is an interesting phenomenon that is becoming more and more prevalent as we, as the world becomes more and more full of abundance Right? if back in 40-50 years ago you went to shop you wanted to buy a pair of jeans they only had three sizes you tried them on one of them fit but kind of fit but didn't fit perfectly you walked out of the shop um with a non-perfect fitting pair of jeans and you are happy that you got a pair of jeans and they look good and they almost fit and that's it you can now use them or you you're going to go tailor them a little bit and then you'll have a great pair of jeans fantastic you are happy now you go to a shop (laughs) And there's like 50 million pairs of jeans, all different colors, all different styles, designs, sizes. There's you know, whatever size you want 30, 31, and a, 31, 31, and a half, 32, 33, whatever size you want. Uh, not only is waist sizes, there's like recently I found out that there's waist sizes and also uh, length of leg sizes. So it might be a 32 30, and it might be a 32 32, might be a 30 30. Basically. We live in a crazy world full of abundance, which is good if you kind of, on the surface, you look on the surface, it's actually a good thing. We live in a world of abundance. We have everything. We're, you know, we're using, and not like, of course, it's bad when it comes at the expense of the environment, but oh, like we're starting to use more and more solar energy, renewable energies, we're recycling materials and so on. So it looks very good on the surface. But psychologically, if you dig deeper, it's it's a very dangerous thing because When you have so much choice, you have choice paralysis. You don't know what to choose. And then you walk out of that store with a perfect fitting set of jeans that are exactly your size. And they look fantastic on you. Uh, They're a beautiful color, um, style, whatever else. But you're unhappy. Why are you unhappy? Because you're thinking, did I pick the right ones? No, sometimes you might be happy for sure. But a lot of time people walk out, they're like, did I make the right choice? Or two days later, they would be thinking, did I make the right choice there? What about those other ones in that other color or that other design or that other style? I really like those two. Oftentimes, people walk out there with two or three pairs of jeans, which they don't really need. Now, that's called called wasteful. Um, So yeah, we live in a world that's full of abundance, but also where this abundance leads to a concept called FOMO, or fear of missing out. There's so much choice you you can't choose a particular thing because you fear missing out on others. And I found for myself, so how, do, how did I find out um, about that I, I have <laughs> severe FOMO? Well, I was uh, sitting in uh, Bali at one of this, uh, the 10-day fast that I was doing. And on one of the days in the morning, I was working, and which you're not really supposed to do, but I had a lot of work to do, so I was also working during this retreat and I have, next time I hope I will take those 10 days off but anyway so I was working and everybody was going to yoga so there's like a group of 10 like this time I think it was like 12 or about 8 people everyone's going to yoga sometimes in the mornings they do yoga there everyone's walking there and I'm like oh I gotta finish this thing I'm working on and I'm actually pretty excited about what I'm working on but then they're going to yoga I'm gonna miss on this yoga what if it's really cool what if something amazing's gonna happen there um, I'm gonna. I could be learning something. I should go there, but I gotta finish this work. And then, like, I just couldn't take anymore. So I told myself, No, I won't go. I will miss out on this yoga session. I'll actually. I'm. I choose to miss out on this yoga session. And once I said that, even though it was still like I was, I was having itchy feet to go around and do the yoga session. But like, once I said that, I made the resolution. Was much easier. I knew that. Okay, I will miss out. So I choose to miss out. So instead of fearing of uh, missing out, I choose to miss out. And that's an important principle to understand. Well, for me, anyway, it was very important because I've kind of lived my life in a way that I think I can get everything done. Like I can experience everything. I can, I don't know, go everywhere, be everywhere. Just like, th- like I'll never miss out on anything. If I try really hard, I will never miss out on anything. But that's not true. <laughs> life is so big there are things we're missing out on right now. You're probably missing out on lots of things by listening to this podcast. You could be listening to a billion other podcasts. You could be listening to music. You could be just be in silence. You could be talking to somebody. And yet, you're listening to this podcast. So you're, you are missing out on things. That's an important thing to realize, that there are always going to be things we miss out on. Just some. A lot of the time, we're not aware of them. And that ignorance is safeguarding us from the stress that is caused by the knowledge of knowing that you're missing out so here the only problem is that you're aware that you're missing out so in my case i was like i'm missing out on this yoga oh my gosh if i had been sitting in another room and if i had not known there's a yoga i wouldn't have this fear of missing out i would have found out about this yoga later on in the day and i would be oh well i missed it oh well too bad You know, like fear of missing out is only something you experience before the event, before that event that you will miss out on. And only the awareness of the event is what drives you to have the fear. So there's nothing you can do about the awareness. Like once you know something, you can't unknow it. So you know like there's a yoga going on or there's two movies in this cinema and you only picked one or there's 50 pairs of jeans and you chose this or you're choosing this one. Or you're about to choose this one. There's nothing you can do about the knowing. You can't just like cancel that out and unhear what you heard or unknow un- what you know. But you got to come up with, if what I find is important, you got to come up with a method of safeguarding yourself otherwise. You can't just rely on ignorance always to safeguard you. You got to come up with a rigorous system, reliable system, where you will know, okay, well, I choose to miss out on this. I can't have everything can't have my cake and eat it too i can't have everything i'm going to miss out on this consciously um and that's that <laughs> that's uh that's how to deal with it i can't say i'm a master at it i'm still always looking for the not always but I'll very often catch myself looking for the perfect choice how to how do i find what if this is perfect what if that what if that would have been even more perfect in the sense like i'm a perfectionist very often But that's a very bad habit and basically leads to unnecessary stress. So I'm definitely working on it. It's something basically this FOMO, this perfectionism has been around with me for 30 years. So it takes time to uh, get rid of it. And in fact, it takes a lot of effort. And I think I'm not putting enough effort into it. Conscious effort of maybe exercises or thinking through my decisions thinking through my day and things like that to really put this to rest so yeah but uh, hopefully this uh, step 2 in this episode helped you see or increase awareness Are you? do you have a similar uh, thing that you need to work on or not it's really I would say it's quite uh, an, an impressive thing if you don't in this world of abundance uh, but if you do there's that's that's my take on it, how you could work on it. Okay, number three, full circle stress. Running events is hard. If you're listening to this podcast, if this is not your first episode, you've probably heard of the Data Science Go event. It's come up many times, uh, mostly because I meet a lot of really cool people there, and then I invite them to the podcast. And I hope you've been, been enjoying meeting them as well. So Data Science Go is an event... We run ourselves um, a data science conference, happens in San Diego towards the end of the year. Um, And it's been growing quite fast. So we started in 2017 with 150 people. Then 2018, uh, we grew to 350 people. In 2019, we had 620 people, not just registered, actually come up and physically pick up their badge. at the event, so almost doubling, doubling or almost doubling every year. Uh, next year, we're looking to have between eight hundred and a thousand people attend Data Science Go. So, uh, quite a cool business, very exciting for me to be part of it, and also uh, the team is great, uh, impacting lots of people. Love the community, love the data scientists and managers. Everybody who comes there, like I feel really good when I'm there but running these things running these events is extremely hard and the main reason for that is that you only get one go per year (laughs) you only get one weekend when it's happening right so the rest of the year you're preparing planning it's crazy how much planning like we start planning like as soon as one event ends maybe one month later so we take a month to clean things up and Send out um, accesses to recordings and uh, you know early bird promotions and uh, recap on how the event went, and then like we start preparing right away for the next one. So about 11, 10 to eleven months of preparation going into this, and you only get one shot at the event itself. Uh, so it's not like a recurring business that happens every day. You're selling something, or you're or every week. There's I don't know some something going on, like a webinar going on or something. This is just once a, once a year. A lot of waiting a lot of stress a lot of uh, pressure uh to to make it perfect speaking of perfect but not to make it perfect to make it good to make uh, to make sure people enjoy themselves um yeah so that's the main reason why it's hard to run this business and so there's a lot of volatility you you can't really predict what's happening if basically the law of large numbers right if you have some like a big data set and you have lots of observations um, it's much easier to predict your, your average is going to be close to the uh, expected uh, well, the average in the case of return your average return is going to be expected, close to expected return or your average input is going to be expected, close to expected input but when you have only like three observations over the course of three years the volatility is very high you don't know like you don't really know or you can count the average but what's the standard deviation It's huge you don't really know where exactly the next event is going to land Um, And so things come up, and around August, uh, so we had a budget, basically, we had a budget for the event, this was like in December 2018, everything's great, then we're following this budget, and then around August, early August 2019, the event manager comes to me and says, Kirill, you got a problem, this and this, and if you were at Data Science Go, it was at uh, the Hilton, amazing hotel uh, on the Bayfront in San Diego, so we... Um, we decided to experiment and go to one of the best hotels in San Diego. And so the event manager comes to me and says, Kirill, we've got this and this, um, unexpected costs with the Hilton. We need need an extra 50% on top of our budget. So I won't go into specific numbers here. It's not really relevant, but uh, in terms of percentages, we need an extra 50%. Like we need to come up with 50% out of thin air to add to our budget. And we have like a week to do that and, like, completely out of the blue, and I got super, I remember I got super stressed, I wasn't visibly stressed, but inside, I was, like, going crazy, I was, this was something I was totally not expecting, I didn't, it's something I'm not used to handling, completely out of my, not just comfort zone, but zone of control, like, something that I know how to deal with, this was First of all, a large amount of uh, funds that needed to be injected into this business. And also, second, um, I didn't... Uh, like, the, the, timeline, the timeline was very short. Time frame was short. Anyway, so we find a way. We figure it out. Okay, everything's great. Kind of, like, start relaxing a little bit. But before I'm able to completely get over this stress, end of August, my event manager comes back to me. Curl, another unexpected thing came up. We need another 30% on top of our budget. I'm like, wow. Again, time, time frame is like a week. I'm like, wow. What are we... Like, how? How is this happening? Um, and again, sort it out. Start relaxing. This is, this is like... can't We can't make this stuff up. It's not like a... It's like a TV show. Uh, start so relaxing. And then literally a week later, or maybe like maybe a week and a half later. So that was late August. is early September. Event manager comes back. Kirill, again, unexpected thing. And it's too... Thing is, to no fault of his own, like we, this our it was our third time running an event, like and especially first time at such a such a high end hotel. Completely, we didn't know that these things were possible. Anyway, so it comes back early September. We need another twenty percent of our on top of our budget. Like, bam again. And at that point, I felt I really felt this that the stress went so high that it actually went full circle. If you imagine a clock. And how like the the arm of the clock goes around. Like imagine that's the stress levels. They go up, 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 up all the way around. And then they go past t- midnight, past the 12, uh, the top part of the clock, the 12, 12 o'clock. um And they go past and then you're like back, you're full circle. And that's how I felt. I felt the stress went so high that it couldn't just go higher anymore that I tipped back over to zero. It was such a such an interesting feeling. It's kind of like, You know that scene in matrix in the third one when they're like flying up in the in this space in their like uh vehicle whatever it's called underground flying ship (laughs) underground flying spaceship they're flying it in and then they get out into uh on the surface of the earth and these robots are chasing and then they fly up 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 and they go above the clouds and they see the sun that's how it felt like like all this stress was building up so much much and then i tipped over and uh it was just calm and beautiful like and how how to explain it is like the problem was still there in total the budget went over about 100 percent. the problem was definitely still there but i looked around and even though i thought i was stressed or i felt this stress like the birds were still singing the trees were still growing the sun was still rising every morning the air was fresh everything grass on the ground was green everything was nice the world just was just kept on going and and then i realized all these stresses like we make them up for ourselves all a lot of these things are superficial like a bird flying in the sky doesn't care about how crazy things are going in your business (laughs) it's just flying in the sky it's just enjoying the day and from then on i've noticed a massive change in myself like, I feel that that experience, as painful as it was, but also it was very healing and revelationary. Since then, I've, uh, I'm so much calmer about a lot of things. Like, I feel like that if I could survive that stress, and not just like survive as and resolve the problem. Yes, you know, that was good. We resolved it. Everything worked. The event went great. Everybody was happy. Actually, very, very good. So i very happy with the event. And as you could tell from, you know, the guests that have been appearing in the podcast, every one of them enjoyed it a lot. But not just about resolving the problem. Like if I could survive that, if I'm still a human being, I still am, you know, able to think and breathe, then I am I should be happy. And I, sh- I can, any other thing, at least below that level of control that I've expanded or level of experience, but Anything anything below that in terms of stress, I'm definitely going to be able to handle. The the interesting part is that probably anything above that level of stress as well I'll be fine. You know like probably still be alive, probably not not gonna not gonna kill me and everything, you know, the birds are still going to be singing, the world still be beautiful. But at least anything below that level of stress, like now I come across problems, I just like <laughs> sometimes I just like breathe in, breathe out, okay, everything's great, let's solve it. So I know it's a problem that needs to be solved but i don't really let it stress me out as much or as much as it used to or sometimes at all you know some people come like in in uh, one of the other businesses in super data science which you're <laughs> probably well aware of um somebody will like two days ago or yesterday or no yeah i think it was like on friday somebody like uh, came to me and said kiro we have a huge problem this is massive epic like we're gonna we're gonna lose this partnership and then i you know Breathe in, breathe out. Okay, this is how we solve it. Everything's okay. I didn't even get a tiny bit stressed about it. So full circle stress. I guess the recap here is stress is all, a lot of the times, yes, indeed, there's sometimes this, there's really life and death-threatening situations, critical things. I'm not saying that everything can just go past you. If you're you're a uh, Tibetan monk or, um, you know, Shaolin monk, you probably wouldn't get stressed by anything. But the reality is we in our lives we will get stressed by things and that's normal but a lot of the other stresses like little ones unnecessary really i think uh, we we as humans make up a lot of these things for ourselves and if you feel stressed just look outside look at the birds flying around the the sun coming up every day um even even if there's no sun the clouds are beautiful as well (laughs) seriously i love looking at clouds um, look at the storm raging outside nature keeps going so a lot of the stress that we experience sometimes is unnecessary and let's try to step away from it just by breathing and um, realizing we shouldn't be wasting our time on that um, and in the end it'll be easier to solve the problems if you're not if you're not feeling the heart pounding the sweat sweaty palms the uh, That you can't concentrate. You want to be calm. Calm and resolved. Okay. That was full circle stress. That was number three. Number four. uh, Letting doors close. This year I had to say goodbye. Or like we said goodbye to each other with my ex-girlfriend. It was at the um, first, second quarter of this year. Um, It was sad. It was hard. Um, But at the same time it didn't feel right for both of us. So... I have a friend, or I had a friend, uh, actually a, col- a work colleague before, who described one of his past relationships in a way that he was happy, he was uh, he was almost happy. He would be fully happy if he squinted. If he like squinted really hard, then he would see that he's... He kind of like, he is happy. But he would need to squint, right? He would need to pretend a little bit in order for it to be happy. And that's kind of as well, I guess... I guess how I felt that everything was amazing except for it was just like almost perfect. Not No, perfect is the wrong word. It was almost, it was almost right, but it wasn't. And unfortunately we had to, or fortunately, um, I think it's for the best of us, we had to say goodbye to each other. And sometimes, you know, I guess the takeaway is that some people are maybe not the right fit for each other. Sometimes the timing is just not right for either one of the people or both for example you might simply not be uh, ready for a relationship or emotionally prepared for one or in the right place in your life for one Um, and some relationships are simply learning relationships you know they're not meant to be forever some relationships are there for you to meet someone who's gonna teach you something about life wisdom emotions feelings inspire you to do great things, challenge you to face your fears, uh, work on your weaknesses, embrace your strengths, and things like that, understand yourself better. Some relationships are for learning. Um, Not every relationship is one where, oh, this is forever. Uh, It'd be great if, if it was like that. So, yeah, we we parted, we got on great terms, we're still in touch, everything everything's fantastic. It was for the best of us. It was hard at the time, but looking back, I guess, um, it was a it was a good good choice for both of us to make. But what uh, this uh, part of the episode is about is that letting doors close is important because if you hold on to a door and keep it open all the time, and what will happen is you won't let other doors open so letting doors close gives room or frees up room for other doors to open up and that is something that you cannot you just got to trust in that you just got to believe in that you cannot connect those dots as steve jobs would say you cannot connect those dots looking forward you can only connect them looking back and if you hold on to this one door one relationship you We'll never see what's out there for you. Maybe there's something else waiting, someone else waiting for you, and that's kind of what happened to me. Like closing one door, letting one door close, um, opened up room for a new one. I I was in Madrid. I uh, was learning Spanish, and yeah, I met a beautiful girl. So uh, now now we're dating and i'm very very excited about that yeah that's that's all i'm going to say on this topic that if you're finding yourself in a difficult situation um you know like limbo is the worst thing Either sort it out and give this a proper shot and what uh, you know one of the recommendations out there is like you're not sure if this you're in the right relationship for you Give it 90 days. Oh, sorry, 60 days. 60 days where you give it all you got. 100%, no more holding back. Just put it, put everything you got into the relationship and uh, really care about that person. Be there for them, unreserved, unconditional love. A, you might not be able to do that. Then, then it's probably not the right thing. Uh, B, if you are able to do that, but they don't reciprocate, they don't step up in the first 10 days, keep doing it. 20 days, keep doing it. 50 days, keep doing it. 60 days, and they still haven't stepped up, then it's not the right thing. Like give them a chance to see and to get used to you putting in 100%. And then let go if if they're not willing to step up because maybe they're not ready. Maybe this is not the right thing for them. At least then you'll have you won't have that regret or always second guessing. Was this the right decision to end that relationship? At least then you'll know that you gave it your best shot. But like you got to be fair. You got to be honest. You can't just be like well i'm giving my best shot but they're not you know they're not playing along so i'm not going to do so i'm not going to be as nice today whatever no like 100 percent in no reservations fully committed for 60 days see what happens and finally maybe they will step up maybe once you open up and and give them all the love they will be like oh wow Uh, what am i doing is such a beautiful person i Like, I I just want to give back to them now, too. I want to reciprocate that. Maybe things will work out. So I guess that's that. But at the end of the day, one way or another, in or out, don't hold to half-open doors, right? If If you do that, then very likely you're missing out. And this is not fear of missing out. This is you're actually not in the place where you should be in. So that's my take on it. Again, of course, this is your life. This is your relationships and psychology, emotions, and you know yourself best. This is just my opinion. Okay, number five. Numero cinco. Managing my energy as an introvert. Uh-huh. So, um love this podcast. How like after what has it been 45 minutes? Like I relax into it. I feel so much more hmm, open now. Very interesting. That like somebody sometimes people say, Oh, why are your podcasts so long? Why are they like an hour? And and lately they've been going over an hour. You'll hear a few episodes in at the in January that are like like an hour twenty or something. But the reason is because it's fun. <laughs> it's really fun to talk to people after the first thirty minutes. First thirty minutes is great, insightful, you get to know someone, but that's a lot of the time it's still superficial. To go deep. You got to relax, get comfortable. Both people got to relax. It's just like here today, it's just me. So it's all up to me when I get comfortable. But with two people, two people got to get comfortable. Sometimes that might not happen at all. It might take like hours to get comfortable. So if we can do it in 30 minutes in a podcast and then the second 30 minutes have a, like a very deep and meaningful conversation, that's awesome. If we can do it in 45 and then have 15 minutes of a great conversation, that's that's also great so yeah that's that's why you know i think podcasts need to be at least an hour long anyway uh back to managing my energy as an introvert so a quick recap if uh uh, so we're all on the same page the way i look at introvert versus extrovert is not um something that might be uh, like quite a common misconception where how good are you talking with people do you enjoy talking with people no not at all like i enjoy talking with people i'm an introvert um, it's about where do you get your energy? Like, do you recharge when you're alone? Like, you go uh, for a walk by yourself, or you sit in your room, do some work, read a book, whatever else. Is that how you recharge your energy? And then when you're with other people, you spend your energy, expend your energy. Or is it the other way around? Do you recharge when you're with other people, that you recharge by talking to others? Um, a good way to answer that question, if you can't answer it off the top of your head, although you probably already know, is, um, good question, a good way to check it is, what would you rather? Would you rather sit at home and read books and, uh, for instance, do work or learn things, uh, work out, but all by yourself for seven days in a row, seven evenings in a row? Or would you rather go and meet people, go to different parties, go to clubs, not necessarily clubs, maybe bars, maybe just uh, friends uh, places to play board games and so on but just and be on people for seven days in a row so for instance for me i love playing board games and i love um hang out with interesting people and talking to them and learning and growing but like seven nights in a row that would be so draining so exhausting i wouldn't be able to stand it whereas reading a book for seven days i might get a bit bored and a bit lonely but i'll be fine you know i'll be full of energy and then on the eighth day i'll be able to go and have a fantastic time with some friends in the social environment. So that's introvert versus extrovert. Introverts tend to have a rich inner world um, and live in their fantasies or, or not just live in their fantasy, but like, go, like their inner world is, or I should say our inner world is a a safe place where uh, you can always retreat to and just recharge. Extroverts have a rich outer world and lots of friends great acquaintances, uh, they love, uh, like many people love spending time with people, but they get energy out of spending time with people. So how did I learn to manage my energy as an introvert? I started reading this book called Quiet by Susan Kane. Um Actually, I started listening to the audiobook, and I didn't really like it. I didn't like the way it was being read. It, it sounded very pessimistic to me, put it put like a kind of a, a gray feeling on top of introversion even though in the book itself they say the opposite that introverts don't have to be gray and uh you know like it, they're very colorful as well but like the way the book has been read is just not exciting um so i stopped listening to that might read it one day but I need, <laughs> I need to get over that scarring first um but uh there are some very interesting parts in there like how we move from a culture of character character and the late 20th century to a culture of personality Uh, or even a cult of personality in the early 21st century, what role um, Dale Carnegie had to play in that, the uh, growth of cities, business, um, like the growth of big business and so on, like why and how all of that led to the culture of personality, which we live in now versus a culture of character, which was prevalent back in the day. Uh, So I recommend reading at least that part of the very first part of the book. Very interesting. I haven't read the rest of it. But also, apart from reading a book, I listened to this podcast called uh, This Week in Startups. Recommend to one of uh, my colleagues at uh, Super Data Science. Uh, So in short, it's called Twist. Well, This Week in Startups. Uh, Great podcast for founders and entrepreneurs. And what I noticed was quite quite a lot of entrepreneurs and founders of businesses that were being interviewed on the podcast. So it's similar to this podcast, but instead of data scientists, they interview founders. Um, and founders of biz- big big businesses, medium businesses, startups, mostly media businesses and startups. Uh, so what I found is a lot of the founders on this podcast, they were actually uh, introverts. And I was very interested. And many of them shared their thoughts on what it's like to be an introvert, especially running a business, founding a business. Uh, specifically, one of them that I enjoyed a lot was the founder of HubSpot or one of the co-founders of HubSpot, the, I think the CEO uh, of HubSpot. I forgot his name. Um, and he's an introvert and, he, and his co-founder is even more of an introvert than him. And he talked about managing his energy quite well. So we'll link to that. Uh, I'll give the episode number to our team and we'll link to that in the show notes if you're interested in listening to that. But other than that, it's uh, a podcast called This Week in Startups, and if you just look for HubSpot CEO, you'll find find him there. Um, So how do I manage my energy? Uh, Well, basically, I tend I aim to take off at least once a month a whole 24 hours to be alone. If it doesn't happen naturally like, for instance, this month I'm a lot alone uh, in Australia because I need to do a big project. I'm working on uh, recording a course. So I choose to be alone, so that's uh, I don't need to engage in this strategy, but if I am around people for a whole month, I at least once a month for 24 hours or go away uh, and stay by myself somewhere um, and recharge. And it might be hard to explain to people, but that's kind of like the, the curse of being an introvert, like explaining to extroverts that you need time alone. So you got to surround yourself with people who understand or at least uh, accept that about you. Um, I can I tend to leave a party early if I'm feeling tired. I don't feel pressure. I, I still, there is the pressure to spend time with others, but I don't succumb to it. I, When I want to spend time with others, I do. Um, I'm selective with the time of how I invest my time. Um, you know, people sometimes will invite me. Like this, this past year in 2019, I think it was, there was, I don't know, it's just one of those years, you know, like when all your friends are getting married, like I was invited to five different weddings. Uh, four or five, but I only went to one because at the end of the day, like i just knew there's like i was very selective i'm like okay this is great this is your day i hope you have a fantastic day but like me being there is like a nice to have for you but for me it's a whole investment of a day or even two days of my time and just energy into this and most of the people there i don't know and i don't really like i've already kind of socialized this week or i'm already going to be at this other event before that so i'm not going to want to socialize much more. So, um, you know, like explaining it or not even explaining it, just explaining it to yourself, like, okay, this is what I want to do, this is what I don't want to do. Um, I know if you're an extra extrovert, if you're an introvert and you're listening to this, you might be going, yes, this is this exactly how I would want to like, want to choose to spend my time as well. If you're an extrovert, you're probably thinking this guy is crazy, he is so antisocial. That's just the difference between introverts and extroverts. And you can pretend to be social, you can pretend to, like, all right, I'm going to be like everyone that I, like, everyone is kind of seeming to be around. The other other problem is that you don't really see a lot of introverts, like they just stay indoors often, not all the time, but you don't, it's like all these parties, all these things you see on TV and uh, news and things like that or hear from your friends, often it's like extroverts partying and maybe introverts also choosing to be there or forcing themselves to be there. For me, sitting at home, painting, reading a book, um, or uh, spending time one-on-one with somebody I care about and having a deep conversation, way more important than going to a party and going crazy. So, yeah. So, it's just a difference and I guess it's important to appreciate and accept these things about one another. And maybe you're not an introvert, but you have an introvert in your family. In the US, I think it's, about 30% are introverts, uh, but worldwide, it's uh, recently I saw a it's actually 50% introverts. It's crazy. Uh, so it's 50-50. So you might have someone in your family or someone you know, maybe a significant other, is an introvert, and maybe you're not. So how do you accept that about them and respect that and help them get the time that they need? Because it's very important. If I don't get the time I need, I get cranky, I become resentful, I feel I can't express how I feel, and nobody, like the people around me don't understand, and therefore I start not wanting to be around them. And it's terrible if you're in a relationship with that person. If you're in a relationship with a person who doesn't understand you as an introvert and doesn't give you your time, it's a recipe for disaster because you're going to force yourself to be extroverted and spend time with them and give them all the attention they need, um, whether it's by SMS or whether it's in person or on the phone and so on. But you're ultimately going to be very unhappy more and more and more. It's not sustainable. So it has to be sustainable. you gotta be, you got to feel comfortable. And if if that's the other person in your relationship, if they're an introvert, they, you need to make sure they feel comfortable or just ask them to express their feelings. We'll get to feelings in a second. Okay, um, that was learning number five. Learning number six. So, number six is no coaching. I was in this um, uh, meetup in Bali. So, you might know from the podcast that I like to go to Bali uh, occasionally. Um, this year I went, in total, I think I spent like five five weeks in Bali, I think. I, th- I went three times, actually, this year. Um, but anyway, um, so I was in Bali and... Somehow, I was going to this one gym called uh, Nirvana Strength. Already recommended on the podcast. If you're there, go say hi to Ian, the founder, owner, one of the founder's owners. Um, uh, it's great. It's a, it's a Olympic-level, Olympic-class gymnastics center in Bali, in Changgu. How crazy is that? Like, out of all places. I haven't seen a gymnastics center that good. The last time I saw one like that was, like, in Moscow years ago. I don't think I've seen one like that. I'm sure they are some like that in Australia. I just haven't seen, come across one like just on the street. This was just like right there, huge center. Uh, amazing sauna, amazing like a cold pool. Anyway, so I was there and then at the gymnastics, I was like, when I was leaving, they're like, hey, by the way, we have this thing every Monday in the evening. Uh, we have a men's circle. I'm like, oh, what is that? Well, it's like where. Um, men can get together and talk about their feelings. I'm like, wow, okay, that's new. Let's check it out. So I go rock up, and it's it's really a cool thing. There's like 20 guys or so sitting there from all walks of life, and you know Bali is a place where a lot of entrepreneurs, freelancers come to work. And one of the episodes in the podcast we actually had a, I think a data scientist or a starting data scientist that I met in Bali randomly at a co-working. And we recorded a podcast together. And so, you know, as a data scientist freelancer, you can, uh, and just recently on the podcast, we had a podcast about freelancing in data science. So you can become a data science freelancer and go live in Bali. So anyway, all these guys from all walks of life, business owners, just travelers, freelancers, designers, and I don't know, surfers, and so on rock up to this place like at six and last for a good two maybe two and a half hours and basically you we all sit it's all confidential and you just express like a problem in your life that you're dealing with that something that's really affecting you maybe personal professional emotional whatever physical whatever problem something that's a big challenge in your life you say it and there's only one rule and the rule is there is no coaching. And I did not understand it at first, but it is a genius idea. So, what you basically, when somebody says something, you can do two things. You can either put your hand on your heart or on the table, saying that, expressing that you um, sympathize or empathize with them, you you understand how they feel, or you've been through something similar, like showing them that they're not alone, or after they finished talking you can give advice but only based only if you've been through the same thing and basically not give advice or just what you can do is you can show like explain how you dealt with the same situation in your life that's all so if you haven't lived that you cannot coach so you you cannot say well i think i would do this or you should do this or even if you have lived that you can't tell a person well you should do this or you you need to Fix this part of you. Oh, this is how you will you can solve the problem. No. You can only say, I, I understand this what's what you're going through. I've had the same in my life. This is what I did. And it's kind of like share your story now. So that's all you can do. And it was so crazy. And the reason why it was so crazy was because like I was so tempted to tell people how to live their lives. And mostly <laughs> mostly in is sort of situations they were describing that I have not been through ever in my life. Like I was just like, oh, well, that's obvious. They should do this and this and this. But then I had to stop myself because I realized, hey, there's no coaching. There's no coaching rule. I can't do that. And that made me realize, like reflecting on this, this was probably one, like one of my biggest, one of my top experiences in 2019. Like we're looking back on this, Uh, made me realize, like, why is it so hard to do? Why was it so hard? I went there twice, twice or three times. I think twice I went to this thing. Unfortunately, I found out a bit late, so I um, only had, like, two weeks left, so I went on both Mondays. I was there. And then I was, like, thinking, why was it so hard to do? And I think the answer is because, like, as guys, as men, we tend to always solve problems. We, like, we look at everything in life as a problem. And you know, that's that's a common um... The thing that is said that uh, like men tend to like in male-female relationships, men tend to not give enough feelings, emotions to their um, partners. Maybe in male-male relationships as well. Like uh, men, as men, like if the other person needs feelings, needs just some um, taken care of, or just like ask, being asked how they feel, and they just want to talk about their feelings. Uh, as men, we tend to like not. Kind of like we tend to ignore that or not understand that well enough appreciate that and instead we go into solving the problem okay let's solve the problem now how like um somebody might come to you and say oh my gosh you know like i um my my purse was stolen and then you're like you're right away gonna jump into all right how how can we find it let's call the police let's uh uh what do they look like um you know like next time here's how you can prevent that you know, put your person on this side you know when you're walking down the road make sure your handbag is on is, on the, is away from the road or if you see, don't walk down these streets and so on. Whereas the other person might like, uh, you know, if it's your girlfriend coming to you, they might just want to ask you, how do you feel? Like, are you scared? Were you scared? Give give them a hug and things like that. So as men, we trying to solve problems. But when you have this no coaching rule that you cannot coach someone, you're forced to kind of like back down and just open up and listen. It was a fantastic experience. Highly recommend trying it out with maybe your friends or not even you don't even have to agree to it just like when you listen to someone next time try the no coaching thing like catch yourself and think oh I heard on that podcast with that crazy data science guy that you don't like I don't I should try the no coaching thing and just give it a go and see how you see how it works out like instead of telling a person what to do or how to solve a problem how to live their life just empathize with how they feel try to Feel it in you and promise yourself that, that then and there for the just that for the next, for that one conversation, not that you, it will not work if you say for the next five minutes because five minutes will pass and then you'll start coaching. <laughs> just promise yourself for the whole of that conversation, you won't coach the other person unless they ask you, unless they ask you, what do I do? Then, yeah, but otherwise try, try the coaching thing, you'll feel a huge difference. Okay, six minutes left. Last uh, learning, learning was seven. Numero yeah siete? siete um is feelings so I did the myers-briggs test a few weeks ago we did we all did it at super day science for our team we had a team retreat in um, Cancun Mexico well retreat com- team conference um there's a lot of work involved and uh, our podcast editors listening to this are probably laughing right now right uh, hi me jp uh, Mario because uh, they they know how uh you know how it went there was quite a lot of work anyway But it was fun as well. So we all did the Myers-Briggs test in order to identify what personalities we have so we could better, uh, especially in the leadership team, we could better understand how to work with our colleagues and teams and, you know, where some of the conflicts are coming from. Highly recommend it. Uh, The best place to do it from my point of view is at uh, the website called 16personalities.com. Very easy. It takes about 20 minutes to do the test. Get your results. Get a great description of your personality. Um, I think it's a fantastic fantastic uh, addition to your life especially if you take it seriously and actually read through it uh, you will understand quite a few new things about yourself. So I did the test recently and I've always been an INTJ uh, introvert so the first letter is introvert or extrovert I'm an introvert Uh, and second letter is intuitive or uh, sensing Uh, so uh, like we won't go into the details now I can maybe make a separate podcast about this so I'm an N and I'm uh, intuitive uh, third letter is T or uh, F, thinking or feeling, and fourth letter is J or P, judge, uh, judging or perceiving. So I've always been um, a I an INTJ, and I've been working or I've always wanted, not always wanted, like I have deep down, so I've always wanted to stay an INTJ because <laughs> it's got a cool description. But that's the wrong reasons to want. I've I've understood consciously that I need to move away from the J or be closer to the P because judging on one hand is good to be organized, but also you kind of judge things around you and uh, people around you and you're like, yeah, you, you can't, it's really hard to just like relax and perceive things as they are, accept and appreciate them for the way they are. So I always wanted to see how I would, at least see how it would be as a P, what life would be like as an INTP. And that's, that's what I thought I was working on. But recently I did the test again and I turned out to be an, wait for it, I-N-F-J. So my T, the thinking, turned into an F, a feeling. And I was like so shocked at that. Still can't believe it. I still actually think that it's not 100%. It's really hard to ex- embrace change, isn't it? Like I really think it's not 100%. It probably depends on how you feel at the time you're taking the test and things like that. But it's still an indication that I'm moving in that direction. And so basically what that means is that I'm moving from like fully enclosed in my brain and thinking all the time, thinking through strategies and how to solve problems to starting to feel things. And looking back, interestingly enough, that's exactly what I've been working on for the past year. As you know, I love talking to psychologists. I find it very insightful and very helpful to continue my personal growth. And so I've been listening to podcasts about um, emotions. I've been uh, working with psychologists on emotions. I've been asking a lot of stuff about these things, experimenting, doing doing practice exercise. Yeah, like we have a session with psychologists and then they say, all right, Kirill, this week you're going to practice empathy or this week you or like in this week, I'd like you to, um, you know, feel this was a cool exercise like when you feel stressed or you feel angry or you feel um sad i want you to physically feel it in your body like feel it where are you actually feeling is it in your stomach is it in your chest is it in your neck uh is it in your legs like where is this feeling originating from and actually like stopping pausing and feeling it through i can't say i'm an, an expert at doing that but it was be was very helpful and very interesting and so by working on these things Turns out I turn into, not into, but move towards uh, an F. So here are a couple of things. Uh, If you're interested in doing something similar, if you're, because like as a data scientist, maybe you're also stuck in your head a lot, like I am. Uh, And then maybe some of these will be helpful. So observing where that feeling originates, great, useful exercise. Um, In general, observing your feelings. Like you might feel angry instead of letting it take over you, feel angry. Okay, try, like ideally you want to let it go as fast as you can. But if you can't let it go, just observe, consciously say to yourself, I'm feeling angry right now. You know, maybe write it down so you can look at it later. Keep a journal of how you feel. Um, Telling others around me about my feelings. Um, You know, if I feel upset or grumpy because, you know, like I didn't get enough sleep, uh, before I would just like, oh, I just power through it, you know, be strong and so on and, you know, like I'll be fine. It's a feeling, but that will affect other people and then they would not understand and they would feel resentful towards me. So now, if I'm feeling grumpy because I didn't get enough sleep and I can't do anything about it, like, I can't let go of that, I just need to get that sleep, but that is not going to happen for the next six hours, I tell others around me, I'm like, hey, um, I'm feeling grumpy, like, I didn't get enough sleep, I'm sorry if I offend you, like, um, I'm going to try to control myself, but just you should know that I may be irritable right now or whatever else. And people understand. Um, we already talked about on the podcast about making it about me. So rather than saying, when talking to another person, um, and so let's say they're, if they, if they're doing something that you don't like, or they're behaving in a certain way, rather than saying you should change or you're doing this, or I think you should stop doing that. You should like, what I do now is I talk about myself. I say, this is affecting me in this way. This is how I feel. This is this is what I'm going through when, when uh, you know, like, like when we're together or when we're not together, whatever else. So make it about yourself rather than coaching or telling other person how they should be. Express how you feel, and that that will help develop the feelings part of things. It will help you rather than logically under like explain how things are going on and how things are originating from another person's bad behavior or, uh, or, you know, whatever else they're doing. Uh, it'll help you better appreciate how how you what you're going through what you're feeling and this also goes the other way if somebody like you cannot be another another good exercise is not being responsible for other people's feelings right like if somebody is constantly blaming you for making them feel another way like they say you made me feel like this or you make me feel like that." no you're not like everybody is responsible for their own feelings if somebody's trying to make you responsible for their feelings one exercise is not to fall into that trap. And you could talk to them. And you could say, well, you are responsible for your own feelings. By saying that someone else is responsible for your feelings, you're giving away control. Um, basically, you're letting someone else control your life. And that's, that's never going to be a good idea. Um, yeah, so basically, you want to not fall into the trap of being responsible for someone else's feelings. And that, in turn, will help you observe how others feel and observe how you feel as well about all these things. Yeah, we could probably talk more about that but we are out of time so that was a feelings very important i think and bottom line on feelings is that it's very important i think uh, or i feel <laughs> and that's another thing saying i feel when it's relevant rather than i think when you actually feel something don't say i think say i feel um and i've started doing that as well uh, basically i feel that working on feelings is important because you don't want to be stuck in your head all the time. You want to follow your heart. You want to listen to your heart because that's a whole new world. You know, if if we are mastering the world of data science, analytics, thinking, then that's great. But also participate. I, I want to participate in the world of feelings. It's such a beautiful world. Such a beautiful world. On that note, thank you so much, my friends, for being here. Uh, for sitting through this long episode with um, my top seven learnings in 2019 has been a fantastic year i really appreciate everybody who listens to this podcast whether you listen to one episode or to 300 episodes it is great to be able to share uh, amazing guests with you and also my thoughts and experiences Uh, if you have any uh, questions any suggestions anything at all, you can always send them to podcast at superdatasense.com. You can always leave us feedback on um, different platforms from SoundCloud to iTunes to wherever else. Um, Always really appreciate it. And once again, thank you so much for being here today. I look forward to seeing you back here next time. Have a great end of 2019. And until next time, happy analyzing.